In this episode, we are breaking down the first four of the eight Sabbaths. Wait until you see how these ancient holidays influence today's holidays. So much has been taken from here and also so much has been misrepresented. So we can't wait to bring this to you. This is Heather Wood and Jamie Hayhurst, and this is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. All right, Jamie, let's break down some of these awesome Sabbaths and traditions. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm excited. Let's do it. Me too. All right, we're going to do four of the eight Sabbaths. We're going to go over four of them in this episode. And then in the next episode, we're going to go over the other four. I want to just point out right here that there is no actual order. (laughs) Like there isn't a first Sabbat. We're going to go in like the circular order of the wheel of the year, but there really isn't like Sabbath one, Sabbath two. Like that's not how it works because it is a circle. We chose to start with these because they are pertinent to the time of the year that we're putting out the episodes. So I just want to make that point real quick. Well, that's what happens when you live like in this patriarchal life and this patriarchal calendar is that you start to acclimate to like January is the beginning of the year. December is the end of the year. But they actually go around and around and around. Exactly. They didn't see them that way. There was definitely like New Year celebrations and things, but across different cultures, they were at different times of the year. So um, mostly what what people are looking at is how the sun is traveling and what's happening as far as the seasons go. So that's really what's marking these um, these quote unquote holidays. Right. And crops and food. Absolutely. Exactly. So the first one that we're going to talk about is Maybon. Mm-hmm. So. Maybon is on September 22nd is when Maybon begins. Um, and it is also known as the autumn equinox. Yes. It's also the second harvest. So there were, there were, there still are <laughs> three big harvest times <clears throat> during the year. And so this was considered number two. So one of the most or I'm going to say the most bountiful um, of the harvests was this one was good old Maybon. Okay. So um, Maybon, that name comes from, it was a Welsh God and it symbolized fertility, specifically male fertility is what he stood for. Okay. Um, Now, here's an interesting thing about the lining up of modern day holidays in the Sabbaths. You're going to see for most of them, they line up with their prospective holidays time-wise pretty pretty closely. Mm-hmm. Maybon is the exception to that rule because Maybon is modern day Thanksgiving. Okay, gotcha. It happens in September though. It happens September 22nd. It happens at the autumn equinox when the biggest harvest was. What I would like to just point to people right now is that there is a lot of, of, well, there's a lot of controversy around the first Thanksgiving. <laughs> like that goes without well, saying. Exactly. But there is specific controversy over the timing of when it actually happened. So there is lots of stuff that points to the fact that the first Thanksgiving actually did happen in September at the autumn equinox. So dive into that rabbit hole if you'd like but when we're talking about maybon the modern day equivalent that you're gonna see a lot of stuff pulled from is thanksgiving right the controversy of why it was moved would take me a whole episode to describe but right go into it right probably piss a lot of people off but (laughs) but when you when we're talking about maybon think about think about thanksgiving and think about what like what similarities you notice. Yeah. And and people often refer to Maybon as the witch's Thanksgiving, which used to kind of agitate me because I was like, no, it was everybody's Thanksgiving. But if you remember what witch actually meant, like meant and means it, it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So the whole focus on Maybon was about gratitude and forgiveness. Okay. <laughs> So 
there you are. There's right. your Thanksgiving, uh, giving gratitude, being thankful for what you have, being like honoring that the land gave you so much and, and being grateful for that and, and feasting and celebrating that was what Maybon was. Yeah, that's a whole thing on social media now. There's like every day in November you post what you're grateful for. Yes, that was that's a Maybon right. tradition. Um, not on social media. <laughs> but the gratitude was aligned with Maybon. Exactly. So there was a big feast on the equinox, so on the 22nd. Um, and there it was it was a feast you had with your village in, in most cultures, not necessarily just your family. Um, everyone would sort of gather together and share what they had. Gotcha. Um, some some big things associated with this feast and, and this food was cider, wine, nuts, apples, berries, and just vines of any kind. So a point I'd like to make about that is that if you are ever called like basic, because at this time of year, you feel a need to go apple picking oh, um, yeah. or you feel like you want to drink a, a yummy cider and make that or, or decorate your home with fall like decorations I want you to just take the idea that that's basic and just kick it to the curb because what it is is an ancient thing like in your bones in your DNA in your energy field telling you to do that right you remember that on a cellular level like it's it was happening for so long that and it's and like we said before it's what's happening around you like apples are ready to be picked so, like, why is it now basic that you want to go reap that harvest? I mean, it it makes sense. It does. It does. Um, okay. So, one thing that I thought was interesting is that in, in the Norse pagan traditions, um, they would fast leading up to the equinox, so the day before the equinox, um, as a way to ask the deities for forgiveness for anything that they had sort of done during the year, because they believed that on Maybon, your sort of like your fate was sealed. So this was like your last chance to be grateful and to to ask forgiveness for the things you weren't grateful for. Gotcha. Sort of a, a modern day sort of like confession. Like this was their time for that. Right. And. and and what that does energetically is it, it, it's like clearing your system out, you know, it's like a, it's like a recalibrating, a resetting of your system to move on and, and stay healthy. Exactly. Um, in Germany, Rome, and Greece, in these pagan cultures, um, as well as others, but I found direct evidence here, a big part of Maybon celebration was drunken orgies. <laughs> oh, fun. <laughs> so if you have this very like puritanical view of your ancestors, I want you to realize that before that, it was not so much that way. And if you just got judgy, if like you just put your judgy pants on for a minute when you thought about that, I yep. want you to realize that back then, sex was not looked at in the the way it is now. It was just a way to celebrate. Yeah, and it was an energy exchange, and it was uh, a way of to make connection. It wasn't, it wasn't like property being held for. I'm okay. I'm not getting into it. You know where I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's an important point to make. It, it really right. isn't. It'll come up a lot because. Um, sex, no, it's referred to a lot with male and female because it, it was the balancing of the two energies, but I want to make it clear that it was not just sex between men and women. It was literally an orgy. Like sex was a much freer thing. It was like you said, an exchange of energy. It was a balance. It was all of these things. Um, but it, it didn't bring with it the, um, the judgment and the, there's something wrong with it. Um, that we, we do, we bring to it now. Well, I'll just say, and then I'll let you move on. <laughs> is that just look at how regulated sex and virginity is in modern day religions. And just think about why the people of any church would feel like they needed to regulate those things. Why would that be? I'm going to say possibly because 
there's a huge source of power that comes from sex, sexuality, sensuality, and the blending together of energies. I'm just going to leave that with you. Think about why something would be so heavily regulated. Is it because it's bad or is it because it's powerful? Boom, Jay. Drop the mic after you say that. Yes. <laughs> Sex was a big part of most of the Sabbaths. And we'll get to one. There's one that I've nicknamed the Sexy Sabbath when we get there. Um, and the reason is, is because it was a way of honoring the deities, the gods and goddesses. It was a way of feeling connected to their energies. It was not like a quote unquote sin back then. So exactly. you're again, suspending your modern ideas a little bit. Exactly. But I mean, I think that could be a lot more fun than some of the modern day Thanksgiving traditions. we have. <laughs> <laughs> Just watching it out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in Scotland, something that they did was they would pour wine on the ground to honor the goddess moving to her crone stage. Ooh. So in the wheel of the year and in, in back here, we would celebrate both the God and the goddess, right? So during this time, the, the goddess is moving to the crone stage, which just means the earth is be- starting to become a little bit more barren. Okay. Yep. So they would pour wine on the ground to honor that. I think that's a pretty cool tradition because the crone wasn't seen as a bad thing back then. Aging is now illegal, I think, for women, right? So, Right. It was just a part of the cycle. Yes. This is a fun fact that I decided to add for purely selfish reasons. <laughs> the, the Celts, um, back in Celtic culture, in that area, they did not have a lot of grapes. So they actually made wine out of the heather flower so they would drink heather wine <laughs> okay i get it right yes sure is delicious i found a recipe for it and i'm thinking that i'm gonna make it and make you drink it with me you have to try it okay <laughs> you have to make it <laughs> so speaking of wine and alcohol of any kind and also regulations um drinking wine specifically but any alcohol and it's also confusing because alcohol in general was sometimes just referred to as wine back in the day. So right. I don't know if what exactly they're always talking about. So I'm just going to say wine, but hear that as sort of alcohol. All right? right. People would drink it during Sabbaths to honor the God and the goddesses. That's why they were drinking. Not to like, they weren't doing it to like, forget about their dead end job. Yes. <laughs> like the judgment if that's what you're doing, but reframe for a moment also why they're having sex aside from like honoring their own bodies and stuff and and that but um this is the regulation of of wine specifically and alcohol starts to come in originally the first time they started regulating regulating it as a patriarchal way to have people stop honoring all these gods and goddesses so much right well it's like everything that we use to connect to our own innate power was policed and criminalized by the church because it disconnected us. It disconnected us from what makes us powerful. Exactly. Yep. <clears throat> all right. All those things that, sorry, now all those things that made, that made us powerful, we now use as like a form of self-harm, like drinking too much or like, like sometimes people have sex because they're looking for some sort of validation or they're trying to fill some sort of void. But like those things originally weren't dirty. They weren't criminalized and they were powerful. Yeah. It, it really shows off the cultural shifts that have been made. When you look at how we view those things now, versus right. how we viewed those things then and that they were all sort of considered quote unquote, holy back then. Right. Right. Um, Vine crowns were like a really big thing. So Mm -hmm. if you're, if you want to have like an image for the crowns that people were wearing, think of like the Jesus thorn crown. This is like, this is what people are wearing. Um, It was very trendy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also garlands, Um, were used in all kinds of ceremonies and then you would take home your garland and you would put it on your hearth or or wherever as a way to like bring in that energy and honor it yes exactly um 
let's see. Oh, there was a thing, Jay, called the Horn of Plenty. And I'm going to describe it to you. And I want you to tell me if you can pick out its modern day equivalent. Are you ready? Yeah. The last time in episodes when I tried to quiz you, it didn't go so well. So let's see. <laughs> I'm going to do better this time, I swear. <laughs> let's see if you can redeem yourself. <laughs> okay. So the Horn of Plenty was a, a big horn. It was something found in nature that they, they would sort of weave and create. And it represented a womb overflowing with fruit and other things from a harvest that they would put on the center of the table to be grateful for what the earth had sort of harvested for them. That sounds like a cornucopia to me. <laughs> exactly Ooh. right. Yes. Yay, now, you did I want to bring it back. You said womb, right? Mm -hmm. So the womb, so it was like talking about the fertility of the land and it was being the womb. I want people to hear that. Yes. When we talk about how often um, our pagan ancestors celebrated fertility, we're not just talking about like having babies. They were seeing fertility as the land, as their livestock. Like this was an incredibly important thing. So fertility was looked at certainly in the human way, but most of the time they were talking about just the energy of it coming in through the land. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And a womb isn't dirty. A womb was like, was respected. It wasn't, you know, we don't even talk about women's like about their body parts. Like we talked about in the first episode, you know, yeah. So I take a little pleasure in thinking about like those prudish great aunts that are super judgy that probably had a cornucopia in the middle of their table and that they didn't realize that it was really just like they were representing an overflowing womb in the center of the table that they were eating at. Like that brings me a little pleasure, Jay. Uh, that brings me a lot of pleasure. A lot. All right. So to finish up my little talk on Maybon here. One of the things that they would do, so this is the second harvest. There is a third harvest that happens in the next Sabbat that we're going to talk about. But it was a very small harvest. This was the main harvest and really sort of the end of the harvest season as far as like having to put a lot of work into um, taking care of your crops and, and, and you know, bringing in stuff. Yeah. So what they would do is they would take sort of that, that harvest and they would ride home in celebration in their carriages or whatever they were in that were filled with hay. Okay. They would sing songs. They would all drive through the town like, woohoo. And it was, it's sort of like what we do as a modern day hayride. Yeah. Yeah. That right. comes from this. Incredible. Isn't that cool? I love that. Until you know it. And then it makes so much sense. Yes, exactly. Now I love me some some hay rides and some apple picking and like all of that. So I love knowing the real roots of this, and it certainly starts to happen much sooner than Thanksgiving that I want to start celebrating this. So it, I think it also makes sense that actually in in the wheel of the year and in, in our our ancient culture would celebrate it at the end of September. Exactly makes so much more sense. Exactly. Okay. Um, shall we move on to the next one? Yeah. Okay. So the next one, if we're, 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 you know, scooching through the wheel of the year here is Samhain. This is pronounced so many different ways. I say Samhain. Some people say Samhain. Some people say Savin. Again, because it's in so many different cultures, there's so many different, I think you say Samhain. Is that how you say it? Samhain. Yeah. I say Samhain. Okay. So we're, they all are the same holiday or the same Sabbath. Okay. Right. And so this one happens on October 31st. Oh, I'm familiar with that date. <laughs> this is, of course, modern day Halloween. Right. I'm going to try not to get <laughs> too upset, Jay. <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> about how terrible the hijacking of this holiday is. Right. Of all of them, this one upsets me the most because it was not just sort of hijacked and stolen, it was changed. It was like really given a, a bad reputation and not at all what it stood for. So I'm going to try to keep myself reeled in, but you may have to reel me in a few times here, Jay. Well, I might not be able to, but I'll try. So October 31st, this marked the third and final harvest. It is a time where we would commune and honor the dead mm -hmm. and death. And we would celebrate reincarnation. 
Yes. That's also the day of the dead. Dia de los Muertes is the 31st into the 1st. Yes. In Mexico, they refer to it as the day of the dead. Again, in different cultures, they call things different things, but this is the same holiday with the same same energy. Right. Exactly. 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 So um, they're not exactly sure the exact place we got the name, but the two theories are that um, Samana was the um, pagan Aryan god of death. And I do not know how to say this word. I am so sorry that I'm going to butcher it. I will put it in the show notes so that you can read it and people who know how to pronounce it can say it right. But it looks something like Samra Dread. Okay. Um, And it's a Celtic word. You guys, Celtic words and Irish words, my brain trouble with. Yeah, they're they're differently. Yeah, forgive me for it. But it meant summer's end. So... This this is where these names come from, we think. Okay. So the story here is that on Samhain, or Samhain, or however you say this one, this one um, the old god dies, and the crone goddess mourns his death. Mm. Now, here's where I want to I wanna say something about how pagans viewed the gods and the goddesses. So... The gods are representing divine masculinity and the goddesses are representing divine femininity. So when we think about masculine and feminine energy, masculine energy goes in a straight line, right? Feminine energy recycles itself. It Mm -hmm. sort of goes in a circle. So they viewed male energy as something that sort of started and stopped where they viewed female energy and goddess energy as something that was steady. So there was never like a new goddess is born. It was always the same goddess moving through the cycles, but the old God would die and a new God would be born. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Like when you think about how masculine and feminine energy works, like does that make sense for like how they would view it? Is that described well enough? Yes, I think that's, yeah, that's perfect. Masculine energy is very linear. Um, And when it leaves your body in the heart chakra, the masculine energy leaves your heart chakra and goes out, outside of your energetic field. And and then it's it's out there. It doesn't come back. Exactly. So this is represented this way. So the old God dies. It does not mean that masculine energy is gone. It just means that this God is dying. And you have to think also of the connection with the sun, right? right. So at an, at the um, equinox that we had, the, the balance of light and dark was even, and now there's more darkness. Right. So the sun God dying and going into winter is representing that there's less sunlight. Does that make sense? Right. The earth isn't going anywhere. She's still here, but the sun is is sort of waning and waxing, right? That's how they reconciled the lack of sunlight. Exactly, exactly. So what they what they sort of viewed here too is that this was the the night, October thirty first. This night was when there was the thinnest veil between um, our world and the world that our our ancestors were in. Right. Okay. And we would, because that was so thin, we would invite the, the spirits of our ancestors in to join in our rituals and aid in our rituals. So the things we were doing to manifest for a good year and to, to um, you know, to, to bond with people, like we were asking their energy to be a part of it because this was the night when that, that veil was the thinnest. Yep. Death to these people was not scary. Now, it doesn't mean they were like, yay, I can't wait to die. But the process of death, like dying itself, was not a scary thing. It was part of the cycle of reincarnation. So there was never a scary connotation to Halloween or to Samhain. Does that make sense? Of course. Right. Of course there wasn't. It was a very much like honor your ancestors time, not a spooky ghost are going to come in. Right, because the Sabbaths are celebrations. So we're celebrating the dead. We're celebrating our connection to the dead. And, and we're honoring that. They're, they're, none of them were scary. Yes. And in, in the cycle of, they saw the cycle of life, death, and reincarnation. And so this was just a part of that circle, right? Um, so how Halloween got 
created and made scary could be its own episode. Yes. But what I will say is that this was something done by Christian religion to um, take a very sacred time uh, uh, for pagans and make it sound evil and bad. But there was nothing ever scary about Halloween ever. Right. Um, and a, a fun little side note, um, Fantasia's, Fantasia's A Night on Bald Mountain. If you want to go watch that, it actually, that whole um, element depicts um, how the church wanted to have, or the Christian church wanted to have Halloween or Samhain viewed. It's like they're, the way they want you to think about it. That's what that that actual piece is. Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you can go check that out if you want. Um, okay. So the cauldron, I love this. So, you know, how on Halloween we see the hackling old witch stirring her cauldron. Yes, we do. Well, would you like to know some of where that comes from, Jay? Yes. Okay. So the cauldron in many beliefs, but in particular in Celtic belief, they believe that the cauldron was the womb of the crone goddess. And that is where you went when you were in between death and life. So when you were waiting to be reincarnated, you went into the cauldron. So remember, this is this holiday is when the old god dies and the crone goddess is mourning his death. So right. she would be over her cauldron, knowing he had gone into the cauldron, right? Crying and mourning his death. <laughs> ah, I love this but it's so frustrating and, and here we are with more wombs by the way I'd like to bring your attention back to the womb exactly exactly so this is where when you when you see those pictures or, or whatever or the decorations where the old ugly haggard witch is laughing over and cackling over her cauldron it's stolen from a very beautiful grief process that they're trying to honor that the goddess is going through right and that she's weeping over a, the loss of the of the god and that she's sad and mourning and, and allowing him herself to grieve so he can move through it's like it's so beautiful and the fact that it's so ugly now is um it makes me mad. <laughs> yeah. There's there's really no, nothing that I can think of. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong here. But in any culture, modern culture or religion that sort of honors the grief process. No, right? no nothing. Nowhere. And this was that. This was a part of it. Oh, I'm in Native American culture. But not modern. Yeah. Not, not modern patriarchal society. No. Exactly. Exactly. Um, one of the other things that pagans would do at this time, because the veil was the thinnest, to keep out um, maybe the spirits that they didn't want coming in or energy that they didn't want coming in, they would actually take vegetables and carve faces in them and put them either in the windows of their house or if they were having, um, they were doing a ritual, which would have been done in a circle, they put them on the outside of the circle. Was this quiz time? Yes. What does that remind you of, Jay? <laughs> Jack-o'-lantern. Yes, exactly. Another pagan thing. So if you have carved yourself a jack-o'-lantern, you have done some pagan magic, baby. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Um, the idea of trick-or-treat. Mm-hmm. That for a second. Okay. So trick-or-treat comes from the idea that two big things would happen on this day as well as honoring the dead. As part of this... Um, they would leave treats outside for spirits. So they would leave them out at night when they went to bed outside, maybe out on the table so that spirits would come and join in and, and feel honored here by, by these treats left out for them. Okay. So this is where the right. treat comes from. And that's across other cultures too, leaving out food on altars. Like that's through so many other cultures do the same thing. Exactly. The other part is that to sort of lighten the spirit of this day, because it was so steeped in like honoring ancestors and death, they would go around and play very fun tricks on each other. So uh -huh. this is when you would be like a trickster and like pop out of a tree and scare somebody like that kind of scaring. Right. Um, 
or, you know, like hide something on someone and they had to find it. There was like scavenger hunt kinds of things. Like this was done also on this. It was more like practical jokes. Right. Yes. So that's where modern day trick or treat. That's where that saying comes from. Right. Okay. Um, the masks, the, um, these come from two different things. So remember in one of the episodes we talked, I said that, um, our ancestors, our pagan ancestors were not afraid of like the devil cause that didn't exist or like right. demons it wasn't a part of their culture. What they were afraid of was the fae. <laughs> right. Exactly. Fairies and fae coming in the house cause problems y'all. Right. Our ancestors were afraid of that. So one of the things they would do to keep away the fae from entering their homes would be to wear masks and walk around wearing masks. While the veil was thin. Yes, because they they knew, especially because there were treats being left out for spirits, that they would come in. So the wearing of masks was set to do that. Now, the other element of masks that I think is interesting that ties into this sort of modern day Halloween culture is that um, as the tides were starting to turn before it got really bad, um, but it was starting to get bad and you weren't allowed to be anything except Christian, right? Right. in a patriarchal religion, depending where you were, geographically. Um, right. In order to go to their covens, witches would wear masks to get there so that their real identity wasn't being displayed. So no one could say, I saw so-and-so going to her coven last night. She's a witch burner. Burner, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, brooms. So we see the witches riding a broom, right? So because we now are starting to get into a time in, in sort of our timeline where same as the, the witches wearing masks to go to their covens. Um, we're also, um, it's not safe to have your tools that you would do rituals on that were considered magic, magic with a K, right? right. You had to use everyday tools and everyday household items to like use as divination tools to do your rituals with. Right. So the broom became one of those tools because every house had a broom at this time. Right, exactly. So they would use the broom to for protection and to sweep away negative energy instead of a wand, which would have been used before. They used the broom to do that instead. So the the tie with the witches the witches riding the brooms was never a thing. Um, there's a couple of interesting like poems and fables that involve which is flying. And so they think they connected the broom to that, but this just, this was just a safe way to have a divination tool. Right. And an easy way for the patriarchy to make it look scary. Exactly. And then the last thing I want to say about this Sabat Sabat is that it was a big night for astral projection. Okay. This was something that, that they were like, let's let's work on astral projection tonight. And it's because the veil is the thinnest, it was considered easier to do this then. Right. That makes sense. So there's all kinds of scary stuff about leaving your body and, and stuff that, you know, Halloween incorporates that just comes from a misunderstanding of what astral projection actually is. See, this is where I get upset about Halloween, because like you said before, that like I feel the connection like on a cellular level to Halloween. I love it. But then I also feel this resistance. Like I almost want to not, not love it so much because you have like the ugly green cackling witches, you have the zombies and the, the murder, like, like the murdering horror stories about Halloween and, you know, dying and death and but in like our modern dying and death where it's bad and you're being harmed and I just it's it's that this robbing of that ancient tradition and culture that I feel there's such a juxtaposition between those two that it makes it hard to to love modern Halloween I still do like I feel so called to it I love the dressing up and and the walking around and and the trick-or-treating and the pumpkin. I love all of that, but it's just to know how it was taken is it's so frustrating. I I agree so much. And once I learned this, it really helped me kind of understand something about myself, which is that I always felt at odds with Halloween, kind of like what you're describing, like growing up, like I always 
loved these certain elements of it, but then had like a stomach ache over other ones. And we've right. talked about this, like when we go to Salem, right? Like yes. it's sort of that same feeling of like a hijacked, um, a hijacked thing or hijacked tradition that has elements that are really important that you want to honor, but then has also been commercialized in a weird way. Like it's, it's sort of that same thing. So I, I would love Halloween and obviously like the, the, I love the feeling of the veil being so thin and honoring spirits and the dead and that being like a thing. But then I would hate the, the like scary haunting, like serial killer murderous stuff that came with it because it felt so, it felt so like almost painful in a way that I didn't understand. Right. Because it wasn't authentic to the the real energy of Samhain. Exactly. So it if was, that's, something, yeah, if that's something that you wrestle with too, just know that that's, that's because this stuff is literally in our DNA guys. Like it's so deeply rooted in us. And, and maybe you, you don't remember a past life where you were affected by you know, the stuff being hijacked from you, but somewhere in your DNA, you remember. Happened, right. And it's another place where like with sex or with wine or whatever we're talking about, or something that was powerful, these rituals that we did to remember our ancestors and honor them, um, that was taken and made really ugly. And so it's like cutting us off from our power. We just have to take it back. It doesn't mean you have to be like, no Halloween. I hate Halloween. It just means you have to be aware of it and put up, maybe put a little bit more attention on the parts that feel better to you. Yes. And, and I, I'm glad that you made that point. Cause I think that's important when you listen to all of these Sabbaths and traditions, like which parts resonate with you, you know, like, I don't think I'm going to go have a drunken orgy on Maybon this year, but like, <laughs> I like knowing that where that comes from, I'm probably also not going to pour my wine on the ground. I'm probably going to drink it. Right. But like understanding the origin of it and then going, Oh, I like this element. I want to bring this in. Like, that's what this should be about. Absolutely. And that can be different for every person. Right. All right. We'll be right back after this short break. So the next one, this is another big one. This one, the next one on the wheel of the year is Yule. Okay. All right, you're going to have some quizzes here. (laughs) All right, so Yule happens on December 22nd, which is the winter solstice. Yep. Okay. Um, There's a lot of elements where this kind of quiz part is going to come in, but let me just first tell you what the energy of this particular sabbat was about. Okay. So on this one... The god that had died back in Samhain, right, or Samhain, however you say that, um, is reborn, reborn again. On okay. You, okay. To the virgin goddess. Oh, you don't now, say. Virgin goddess, meaning the virgin definition that you gave in our glossary one, right? Will you recap what virgin meant back then? It meant a woman who was unto herself, who is independent and powerful, alone in her own self. Exactly. So anytime we refer to a virgin goddess in pagan tradition, it just meant the most powerful ones. Right. It doesn't mean that she never had sex. Exactly. And she's born on the, the God is reborn to a virgin goddess because the God isn't there. So she has it, has this baby on her own. So that's why she's referred to. Jump ahead of the quiz here. I know the quiz answer. I know the question and I know the answer. This is, this is the Virgin Mary. This is this is Christmas. Exactly. Um, and the God that was born at this time was the sun God. S-U-N God. Oh, not S-O-N. Not son of God. He is obviously the son of a God because he's a, the God reborn. But they weren't looking at it that way. It's the sun God. Right. Do we need to take, do we need to give like a 10 second break for listeners to like accept? Pause here to digest if you need to. Hit the pause button, let it sink in, and then press play. Okay, go ahead. Okay. All right. So this is also the darkest night of the year. Mm -hmm. So to lure the sun god back, um, they would do fires, obviously, but also they would use candles and candlelight. Okay. All right. 
Um, there's more, there's more punches, but I'll give you a punch break for a second and then I'll punch you again with some more stuff about this. Okay. Um, one, a big tradition in Norse and Celtic, like pagan cultures was something called the 13 days of Yule. Okay. Gotcha. Um, there is a Scottish nursery rhyme about it. I will, I'll post it in the show notes. I'll post a version of it. There's a couple different versions, but I'll post it in the show notes for you. Um, it is eerily similar, Jay, to the 12 days of Christmas. Perfect. <laughs> there's birds and trees. There's maids uh, dancing and milking. I mean, birds are leaping. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Another part, um, in culture and this was this was found in in mainly in german pagan culture but um same similar traditions found throughout the world yes. uh, but i'm going to focus on the german version just for simplicity here um there was a german pagan goddess named i'm going to butcher her name but i think it's frau had so it's spelled f-r-a-u and then h-a-d-e okay um, okay, so what she did was she rode the wind in a sleigh and gave out gifts. Come on. <laughs> oh, my God. Santa. <laughs> <laughs> the other element where Santa's the answer to the quiz, um, <laughs> this is also, again, this is the German version of this, but I want you to understand that across cultures there was this this idea there was an oak king versus a holly king okay and the okay. oak king represented the waxing year think sun here the sun yeah. waxing and the holly king represented the waning sun so the sun oh, right okay right um the holly king was represented by holly and right. the, oak, the oak king was represented by mistletoe Jeez. wow it's incredible so they would battle at this Sabbath and then at another one. Okay. The Oak King wins in this battle, meaning the sun is going to begin to wax now. Okay. We're going to have more and more sunlight every day from this point on. Right. And a further one, which I'll mention, the Holly King will win. But um, to celebrate the Oak King's win, we would take a Yule log <laughs> and poke three holes in it representing the three goddesses the maiden mother crone and place a candle in oh my god if you guys can't see her but jamie just put her hood on <laughs> it's it's so it's i think the frustration that i'm feeling not that you asked is that there's there's so much taken and reworked but yet these beliefs are demonized right so like they they brought all these pagan traditions in to like these christian religions to get people on board you know to try to get people to like acquiesce and stop resisting and get on board but yet all this other stuff is demonized and and try it like hushed and suppressed and so it's like you took all this stuff you stole it and then and, but you took it away from us at the same time exactly and you're still celebrating pagan culture right now. That's right. how that's how badass and, and prevalent to actual human nature this stuff is. Right. That it could not be killed. It couldn't be squashed. So they had to incorporate it and and say it was part of, you know, their holidays. Like I hear a lot of people get frustrated, like Christmas is just like taken over from, you know, like stores wanting to sell stuff and whatever. Right. Like I, I hear yeah. that all the time. And so if you need to balance that for yourself, I take a lot of comfort in knowing that the reason that I want, for some reason, I'm so drawn to having a Yule log on the hearth with three candles in it is because of an ancient pagan tradition that honored the site, the cyclical way that the earth was moving in the, in the seasons we were moving through. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So a little more about our Holly King here. Um, he wears all red. He has a sprig of holly in his hat. And get this part, Jay. He drives a team of eight deer, representing the eight sabbats. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. I got it. Okay. So I think you can see that the, 
our modern day Santa Claus is a combination of the Holly King and right. the pagan goddess Frau Had or Had, however you say her name. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. You ready for another good punch? Yes. Okay. So in many cultures, this, what I was talking about before with the sun God being born to the goddess, this, this happens in so many different cultures. So I'm, I just wanted to point out two. Okay. Mithra and Horus have the same story. Okay. Both were sun gods, sun gods, S-U-N gods, born to the virgin, the old definition of virgin goddess. Okay. Yeah. Upon their deaths, their their followers, so people who were worshiping these gods, which was all the pagans, would pray for their resurrection. Oh God. They would come back, their resurrection would represent eternal life because it, it represented the cycle of reincarnation. Right. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just like putting it. It's, I mean, I've heard this before. I know this, but it's like when you hear it, it's so, um, I mean, obvious, like when you hear it, but yet so jarring at the same time. Yeah. And, and this is nothing to slam any, any religion or anything like that or, or any tradition that you might have, but it is important to note that this was happening long before the Jesus story was happening. Like this is clearly things that are taken from another culture and you can still honor them if you want to, but it's important to know where they come from in history. Right. And to know that like that they've been adapted a little bit and the words have been changed and the way that it was presented um, as Christianity or any other modern religion, it's, it's harsher. It's, it's, it's more, I'm not sure exactly what word I'm looking for is, but like there's, there's no room for error. Like, and I don't know. It just, it just feels like it was taken from the people. You know what I mean? Exactly. It was turned into something to um, sort of make people like seek forgiveness for and like hold themselves up to instead of something that represented um, the the cycle of life, which again, in, in modern day patriarchal religions, reincarnation is not believed in. So there you go. It was you, and it was used to make Jesus and God look um, sort of like superior, right? Yeah, exactly. Rather than it just being part of earth that you were celebrating. Exactly. Exactly, Jay. All right. A few more things, because I could stay here for a long time. <laughs> I'll, I'll move this forward. Um, it was a Norse tradition to use jingle bells. And so um, you're going to hear a lot about bells and stuff when you research the Sabbaths and jingle bells in particular are used a lot. This was because our our pagan ancestors were smart as hell, Jay. And they knew that the bells ringing would change the frequency around the area. Right. And could dispel any kind of negative energy. Um, so in order, because this is the darkest night of the year, they would put jingle bells on their, um, sleighs and carriages while they rode around on this day to dispel some of that negative energy that may come in with the darkness. I love that. And then in so many different cultures, including Norse as well, at, um, dawn the next morning, um, they would ring bells, jingle bells, and all other kinds of bells to celebrate the return of the sun god or the birth, rebirth of the sun god. Love it. Okay. Um, I think you'll like this one, Jay. There is okay. a big Native American tradition on Yule to have men put on a mask that looked like a sun. And then the women in the village would sit in a circle and the men would um, crawl between the women's legs in, with the sun mask on to represent the rebirth of the sun god. Oh my god, I love it. Yeah. But can you imagine looking at that through the through a modern day patriarchal lens and thinking like it would be creepy, right? Yes. Right, exactly. Right, but when you think about it, it's actually not. It's super cool because back then, you know, like a woman's down there, downstairs area wasn't considered like, ooh. You know no, I mean? honored the womb. people honored that part of a woman's body. 
Yeah. Sacred yeah. holiday. We're, we're crawling, you know, around women's crotches. That's right. awesome. Yeah. Great. Um, Scandinavia um, was a big place where people would put wreaths out specifically now because this represented the start of a new year. So it would be like, let's put out our wreath for the wheel of the year. Gotcha. Um, and then Christmas trees are a very ancient pagan tradition. They could have their own episode. They're so amazing. Um, but basically they would celebrate evergreen trees because they felt like the evergreen trees represented how life goes on. Right. So um, they would decorate them and not all cultures brought them inside, but Sc Scandinavian pagan culture would bring the, the tree inside. So that's where your Christmas tree comes from. I love it. And I love a Christmas tree. I do too. Um, and then the last thing I have for you is that it was a, uh, oh no, I have two more things. Sorry. I'll make them quick. Um, in German pagan culture, people would throw chestnuts into a fire to roast them. Wow. And um, how much they danced and popped, you would read it as sort of like a way to for, foretell the, your upcoming year, what was going to happen. If it danced and popped a, around a lot, you had a lot of great things coming to you. If it was just kind of a dud, it was like, Ooh, you better do some energy shifting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And then the last thing I have for you is that there was a term called carols and caroling in pagan culture that was, um, uh, songs and dances done to celebrate the birth of the sun god. Wow. Their carols. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. There you go. Okay. All right. I'll move on from Yule, but again, I could stay there for eight years if, I, if you let me. Okay. So the last one we're going to do in this episode is called Embolg. And this is also pronounced in a lot of different ways, but it's spelled either I M B O L C or I M B O L G. Yep. Okay. I say Embolg, but I say okay, perfect. This happens on February 2nd. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the energy of this Sabbath is to lure in love. <laughs> okay. So, February. Sounds okay. Something I know. Represented the symbol most used to represent this Sabbath is the heart. Oh, we're at Valentine's Day. Yes, we are. Okay. So um, this holiday is specifically to honor the goddess and acts as a way to lure back spring. So we know that the sun god was reborn. Right. Okay. But now we want to lure back the goddess to, I mean, the god to mate with the goddess to bring back fertility and harvest and all of this kind of stuff. Okay. So... We everything we do is to honor this whole this whole idea. What I want to point out is that when you think back in the day to pagan times, coming to February, this is a very harsh time for our ancestors to be living through. Exactly. There is disease, there is the elements, you know, we're in we're in the hard parts of winter. Right. Um malnutrition is a big problem. So their whole focus is like get through alive and get to spring. <laughs> it's literally like life, like you like you're focusing on living. Exactly. Um and a lot of the things that I'm gonna talk about here for this one, I wanna point out that the church, like modern Christian churches use Saint Bridget's Day to sort of celebrate a lot of what was celebrated in pagan culture around this time. Exactly. Um Two of the most honored goddesses at this time were Venus and Diana. So these are both goddesses of love. Venus is the Roman goddess of love. Diana is the Greek goddess of love. So this whole idea of the, the woman luring the man and that the sort of weird way that's been hijacked by our culture comes from the goddess luring the god to her to create spring. Gotcha. Okay. okay. All right. I could go on about that, but I'll leave that tidbit for you to digest. <laughs> exactly. Um, seeing the first flower of spring was a very sacred thing. So you would actually go out and look for it. And if you found it somewhere, you would, in some cultures, you would leave it. But in a lot of cultures, you would pick it and take it in and bring it into your house and be like, oh, my God, there's a sign spring's coming. I'm so grateful we're going to make it. This was all to sort of like help 
keep morale going that you could just, if you could make it like a little bit longer, you're going to get to an easier time in life. Tell me that you don't do that now. Tell me that you don't, when you see like being in new England, you don't, when you see that first crocus poking up from the ground, you're not like, Oh, there's the crocus. I mean, like even as like annoying modern humans who are focused on everything else, like that first flower that you see people do it on social media spring's coming here's the crocus in my backyard i was just gonna say that like i am putting that in my instagram story if i that. like i I am giddy about it i am i am calling people to tell them and texting them that i have seen a flower like this that if you do that too and you feel silly about it you can check your silliness now like this is this is again in your dna to do this now you know why yeah. Um, there's also a pagan goddess called Februa. So it was F-E-B-R-U-A. And so the month of February is named after her. And she was also a goddess of love. Perfect. There's a really cool ancient Roman pagan game I want to tell you about that was played and celebrated at Embolg. So there was on one side of the quote unquote board, this was usually done like outside in nature, but I'll just say board. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll compare it to a modern day game board, but put yourself back in pagan times where that didn't exist. On one side of the board was a crone and a dragon. And on the other side of the board was a maiden and a lamb. And so the point of the game was to get the lamb to kill the dragon, which would turn the crone back into the maiden, which represented turning the wheel of the year from winter into spring. Spring, exactly. So Mm -hmm. cool. Isn't it? Like the first Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly what I thought of, yes. Um, There is a Nordic tradition called Distinctid. And what they would do would be prepare and cleanse the earth. Even if there was snow on the ground, they would do this anyways. And they would take um, ash and um, herbs and they would scatter them all through the earth to help prepare the earth for crops and things. And they would they would say prepare the earth to birth these things. That's how they would look at it. Make it fertile. Right. Okay. Are you ready for a quiz? I don't know. I mean, I did pretty well. So far, far. yeah. Okay. Um, There were, through all cultures, I found so many, like too many to list, but there was this thing that they would do specifically on Embolg, so on February 2nd, where they called weather divinations. And what they would do would be based on different animals and their behavior, they would judge how much more time there was going to be until spring came. Oh, okay. Do you know what modern holiday that represents? Groundhog's Day. Yes, which is on February 2nd. 2nd, right. Got it. So it was done with birds. You saw that a lot. Um, They don't know the exact origin because there's a lot of people claiming the origin to the groundhog piece. I don't know why everyone's fighting over like owning that, but this is just a pagan tradition. They think um, the groundhog specifically was a native American um, weather divination tool. Probably that makes a lot of sense. We of course wouldn't give credit to the poor native Americans for anything. Right. We'll just give it to Bill Murray. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he deserves credit in his own right, but yeah, right. Right. Exactly. Um, so modern day Valentine's day is again, all based on the goddess waiting for the return of, of her love of, of, for the God to come back. Yep. And then just a couple more things to wrap this up. Um, this was a big time for walking around and collecting stones and, and crystals from the earth and our ancient pagan ancestors knew which, um, sort of energies they carried. So this is when you'd go out and really like, start working on your gemstone collection. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Another big tradition on Embolt was to read auras by the fireplace. Oh. And um, I would also like to point out that the Chinese New Year falls right around this time, and they saw that the dragon would turn the wheel of the year. So just to point out another another cultural reference to the same thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. That's my four, Jay, the oh. first four Sabbaths. What do you think? It's a lot, and I, but I think it's also sort of strangely reassuring. 
I find great comfort in it. So I'm glad yeah, that you do. I agree. I agree. I like it. I love it all. Awesome. All right. Well, stay tuned for, for the next episode where we talk about the, the, the last four. I mean, they're not in an order, but the next four steps. Thank <laughs> we'll you. See you then. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode. For show notes and a place to send feedback, please visit our website, embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Again, that's embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls.